Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with his newest uh, Monday expert, Taylor from Life Goal Investments. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me. I loved episode one, talking about your books, your passion, your energy. It's, it's addicting. Thank you for that. I want to now yeah. change it up. Uh, I'm going to throw some names at you that the average American kind of investor type, maybe one rental at a type fan probably knows, but as somebody who spent 10 years on Wall Street, maybe bumped elbows with them or people that knew them, I thought maybe you give us some color, good or bad, different. I have no idea where this is going to go. So, uh, nor do about, I. Let's say, yeah, yeah. So, we talked about Ray Dalio in the first one, Principles, his book. Uh, he has an all weather portfolio, all of that. He, he's uh, the largest uh, on the planet with Bridgewaters. Uh, I'm curious, what, what, when Wall Streeters are out getting a cocktail or having a party, um, are they envious? Are they talking about uh, what? What does what does Wall Street think of Ray Dalio? You think Ray Dalio is is the ultimate genius? Um, I think that's the takeaway from most of the Wall Streeters. Um, you know, if there was a knock on him, Ray Dalio diversifies and spreads risk. Mm-hmm. So if there's a knock on him, people might say, "Hey, he doesn't go up there and swing the bat for a home run." And it's like, uh-huh. no, that's not the game that he plays. He's just chopping wood. Just chopping. He's just chopping wood consistently. So we talked about this for two seconds earlier, but essentially the largest hedge fund in the world is his all weather portfolio. And his all weather portfolio takes three different buckets and combines them at equal risks. So mm-hmm. it takes an equal amount of fixed income risk. It's bond risk. It takes an equal amount of stock risk mm-hmm. and an equal amount of inflation linked risk. So inflation linked risk, if that doesn't make sense to you, that's going to be something like commodities or treasury uh, tips, treasury inflation protected securities. And when you put the three of them together, it creates a product that doesn't have an overly high amount of risk in any one direction, whether it's a positive economy, a negative economy, anything in between. But essentially you take all of them and you you effectively capture the risk premium, which is essentially the, the incremental risk to each one of them when combined. And so it creates just this smooth ride. And uh, over time, when people invest with Bray Dalio and Bridgewater Capital, their compound returns are ridiculous because he never blows up. Yeah, the whole key, I, I love the analogy of just chopping wood, right? He's not interested. He's not trying for the home run. He's yep. just single, single, single. And over time, yep. that wins. Yeah, he, you know, hedge fund is a word, Michael. I don't know where this is coming from, but kind of off the cop. Hedge fund's a word that's changed meaning so many times. Mm. So to, the, the, the act to hedge is to help offset risk. Exactly. Is, yeah. is you know, hedge fund is, it is, is, again, historically is meant to take on a lower amount of risk or to hedge the risk that you have in another portfolio in another way. But it got a whole new light at several different times throughout history where all of a sudden it became the high flyer fund or right. the let me try to make a million dollars overnight fund and lever up eight times on distressed debt or whatever it is. Hedge funds were not built to do that. And Ray Dalio has not gotten away from his, you like this, principles <laughs> when it comes to it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Hey, uh, 
I guess arguably it kind of in my world, don't know in your world, there may be others, but in my world, the best stock investor, and I would argue maybe he's not even a stock investor. He's more of a buyer of businesses, uh, but Warren Buffett, right? Warren Buffett is uh, thought of in my world as the man, but I don't know how Wall yep. Street thinks of him. No, equally, equally the man on, on Wall Street side. It's funny. He, he's from Omaha. Mm-hmm. He's, he's soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. He eats McDonald's. He drives a Buick. Diet he Coke. Lives in a, three, <laughs> yeah, a Coke. I don't know how he's not 500 pounds. He's like, you know, he's 92 years old or something like that. Yeah. He's still so healthy. Yeah. Um, I guess we need to do more brain exercise because exactly. he's always reading, right? Yeah, that's that's probably how it works. But the thing about Warren Buffett is with all that soft-spoken nature, people don't realize he is an absolute savage. Yeah. A savage. I, I was good. Yeah. I was going to call him a killer. A sa- yeah. Cause I mean, I, I go back to the fact that he got, what was it? 10% plus warrants from Goldman Sachs. He bent Goldman Sachs over during the last yep. crisis and said, thank you and, very much. <laughs> and he does it time and time again. He will look at it when the market is absolutely stressed and he'll step in and say, I'll buy you if you're willing to sell for this. And at a time when you're not, a guy, you don't have another buyer out there. Who else are you going to sell to? Yeah. And he's smart enough to know the businesses that aren't going to go under because there are other guys. We'll talk about another one here in a second, Bill Miller, mm-hmm. that that has invested in things that actually go under. But he stress tests them so much that he says, I know you're not going under. I know you're going to rebound. And yeah. I know I'm going to get an absolute steal out of you right now yeah. because you don't have any damn choice but to take it. You need the liquidity. Yeah, And he is a savage. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I, I really, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is he, again, he reads a lot. I mean, there was a time he said he read eight hours a day. I don't know if that's still true. Probably is. He's addicted to it. Um, but he just spent, I think it was $11.7 billion buying a company. I wish I remembered what it was in the last three the weeks. insurance company. Yeah. Yeah. It took him two weeks to make that decision to spend $11 billion. <laughs> <laughs> when he decides, you know, he decides. You know what? That's, that's one of the things of, of really, good leaders, really good decision makers is they have their criteria, if you will. And it's not to say it's a science and not an art, but their decision-making process is very quick. So when they understand a business well, and they realize that it's undervalued, they don't mess around. They step in and they buy because, and and I'm sure you see this in the, in the real estate business, Michael, Mm -hmm. like when the deal presents itself, you got to be ready to swing the bat because otherwise someone else is going to come in and do it for you. And the market's going to move it in the investing world Mm -hmm. or in your world, it's just going to be gone. Yeah. The, the, uh, the opportunities, again, I look again, there's, I call them bad average, good or great, great deals. Great deals are there for a moment. And if you don't swing, they're gone. So yeah, that's why, that's why I look every day. Cause I, yep. I believe every day is going to be the day I find the deal of the decade and I just keep on trying. So it's awesome. Love it. Love it. Right. Persistency. There you go. So you brought up Bill Miller. Let's do him next. So as I know, Bill Miller back from my getting my MBA, he was on a hot streak uh, for oh, beating, yeah. beating the indices and then um, something happened. Yeah. Yeah. He had a fall from grace. So I actually worked um, for the company that Bill Miller um, partially ran at the time. Um, so Bill Miller, for those that don't know, for 15 straight years, beat the S&P 500 with his value trust fund. Mm-hmm. So his value trust fund had the longest running record of an open-ended mutual fund beating the performance of the S&P 500. So before I tell you what happened in 2008, know on the onset, if you're beating the S&P for 15 straight years, you're taking on a lot of risk. 
Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, 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 and know this also that when you beat the market for 15 straight years, people start to misuse your product. People start to look yes. at this thing and say, this thing cannot fail because he's an absolute genius. Well, yeah, so, the other thing that happens a la Kathy Wood is, is your success begets more money, more yep. money becomes, it just becomes harder to disposition. I mean, it's kind of, it's just, you're like, no, it's, it's really well put. Fire. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really well put more money. It, 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 when you look at funds, smaller funds, uh, just apples to apples, smaller funds do better because it's Absolutely. easier to move in and out of positions etc. Um, and you don't move the market. So you can yeah. make mo quicker moves. Yeah. Um, but Bill Miller had a fall from grace. So mm -hmm. in 2008, his funds collectively, so the, the value trust, I want to say was down 60%. Um, Opportunity trust, which was a little bit more aggressive, that was down 68%. But it was, it was the tact that he took during that time. And you talk about humility and Ray Dalio. Um, he was not. He was bold. He was voracious. He was brash. He was all of those things. So actually, if you've ever seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street, mm -hmm. they have Bruce Miller on mm -hmm. stage. That's Bill Miller. And this is true. <laughs> During the collapse of Lehman and Bear Stearns, I think it was actually Bear Stearns. He had a really big position in Bear Stearns inside his portfolio. He is yeah. on stage, literally on stage. And someone raises their hand in the back of the room and says, Bill, or in, Wall in the Wolf of Wall Street, they call him Bruce. Bill, Bear Stearns is down 50, 50% since you got on stage. What, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know what he said, Michael? This is the worst part. I'm going to go buy more. And what happened to Bear Stearns? It went under. So um, talking <laughs> about Ray Dalio and spreading risk, that is not what Bill That's Miller does. That's not what you do. <laughs> no. And Bill Miller is a great, a great, great, great investor, but he looks at things differently. So um, he looks at things um in in the in so Ray Dalio looks for frequency. So yep. frequency meaning he wants again singles and doubles and he wants to hit on most of his investments over time. Mm -hmm. Bill Miller is not. He says I don't give a damn about frequency. I want magnitude. Mm. So he says I may not have all winners inside my portfolio, but my winners are going to win. They're mm. going to be 500 foot homers because mm -hmm. they're going to do a 10 bagger inside the portfolio. Right. So it's, it's two different mentalities. And when you're building a portfolio, you have to know which of the two mentalities yes. you want and you have to size them accordingly because you could have a heavy slug of Ray Dalio's portfolio because the frequency is there and it's just a consistent locomotive, but the Ferrari, which is Bill Miller, you better have a nice day. Otherwise you're totally screwed. Yeah. And you exactly. want to size that correctly. Drive that thing on black ice or something's going to end bad yeah. for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So another name that actually I didn't throw at you in the beginning, but I'm sure given your knowledge, you'll be able to react to Carl Icahn. Oh yeah. Carl Icahn. I, I mean, Carl Icahn, we could talk about uh, Carl Icahn in the same vein that we talk about Elon Musk right now. True. Elon yeah. Musk and Carl Icahn, they're corporate raiders. Carl Icahn is a bully, but he's a good decision-making bully. So yeah. what Carl Icahn will do is he will take a 10, 15, 20% stake in a company, move into that company, take a board seat and bring someone along with them to take another board seat and say, mm -hmm. I know what you're doing wrong. Here's what you're doing wrong. We're going to fix it. And then I'm going to sell for a profit. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he is, he's a bully. 
Yeah. But he's incredibly smart. He's not the only one. There's several other out. Nelson Peltz. Nelson Peltz sat on the on a board um, leg Mason when I worked for for them, and he came on and he made dramatic changes. Dramatic changes to leg Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so Nelson Peltz, Carl Icahn, and Elon Musk is. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but what he's doing right now is yeah. trying to take over. Um, boy, the, the, the term is, is slipping away from me, but hostile takeover. He's trying to yep. take a hostile takeover yep. to Twitter when they don't want him. And yeah. what have they done be, because of this? They have swallowed what they call the poison pill. Yep. And the poison pill, what that means is Elon Musk right now owns about, I, I'm totally off on a tangent right now. Not, sorry. Not, sorry, go for it. Do it. 9%, he, 9.2%, yep. I think. 9.2%. So um, Twitter's board has said that we will take this poison pill. And what that means is if he tries to buy more to get his stake above 15% ownership inside of Twitter, what they will then do is offer all current shareholders more shares at a discounted price, except everybody, except, except. Elon. Yeah. So what that will do is dilute his ownership, decrease the percentage ownership that Elon Musk has, and therefore he will not be able to take over. So why do you know why do shareholders not like that? Well, I, I think Twitter's at like forty-eight bucks or something, something like that. that today. Elon offered fifty-four twenty. So if you're holding that, you're like, hey, idiots on the board, take the deal. Like, let's make a twenty percent profit or whatever it is, real quickly mm-hmm. here. And the board is essentially saying. We think the company is worth more than that. We think that we can continue to manage this company and get it above that. I don't think the board is saying that at all. I think the board is saying we don't want to be fired. The board, well, yeah. the board outside of Jack Dorsey owns less than half a percent or some stupid number. Yeah, yep. They, and they make three million. I've seen all of his tweets. And that's and that's a cynical view, but that's a very fair view. If they don't have a meaningful stake in the company, that's criminal in general. You can't absolutely. make decisions for a board or or for shareholders if you don't have a significant ownership yourself in the company. Yeah, that is you're, ludicrous. You're not, you're not in their best interest, right? And then again, I don't no, know if you saw no. this. Just this morning, Elon said, if if he takes it over, the board will make zero dollars. They will not yep. be paid for their service. <laughs> crazy so uh yeah, total tangent three but million. Add, yeah they're three million bucks crazy so that's a total yeah. tangent but i don't care it's my show uh <laughs> like two days ago i would have given elon musk zero percent chance of actually buying twitter within 90 days based on jack dorsey's tweets from yesterday i now think he's got a 60 or 65 percent chance of actually buying tests or buying tesla buying twitter uh in the next 90 days what is your take uh, you've been watching from afar yeah, I think that it's going to be really tough for the board to act as a fiduciary, which means they're looking out mm-hmm. for the best interest of the shareholder. It's going to be really tough for them to hang their hat on that and not take this deal. And and Elon Musk, um, you know, the court of public opinion, he is just a beast, a beast at getting eyes in his direction. And, yeah. you know, you can say he's a clown on one side and a genius on the other. And I think both are absolutely yeah, they, they, they could be. Yeah, that's <laughs> He would probably admit it as well. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but he 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 has the ability to swing eyes. There's no yeah. way around it. People believe what he says. And I think that the court of public opinion will end up prevailing with this. And I also think that it'll be interesting to see their – it'll be really interesting to see what happens with earnings. Because yeah. if they miss on earnings or their earnings aren't really good and they don't take this deal – It's been dead money that, for nine years, dude. Nine years it's been it dead It really money. has. 
It's just really, dead. And, 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 and it, it, yeah, they have not monetized well at all. And I, don't forget that at one point, the president of the United States was using this as his mouthpiece to get all information out to his constituents. How do you not create a successful company when the president, the figurehead, uses you versus everybody else to tweet out 19 times a day? At, I mean, we all hated yeah. him for it. Don't get me wrong. But or we loved him, whatever. You know, not, not a political yeah. comment. But at yeah. the end of the day, it's like, Love come yeah. on. How do you not yeah. make money when, when you have that tailwind? Yeah, just it was the platform for four years, no question. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Out of here. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate. It. Where where can people find you and follow you because you're putting out a lot of amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, follow us at Life Goal Investments on Instagram at Life Goal Investments. A lot of this conversation is what goes on there. Yeah. Oh, it does. I'd follow you uh, every day. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, Michael.